It's so fun when Jig edits that in. It's just like, and I'm like, oh, it makes me happy. Hello, people of us, and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, an exclusively gay moment. Steel. Oh, beautiful. And I'm Jade Holtzman Hair Rose. Ah, oh, nice. And today is our third uh, Catch Up Geek Out, the Ooh. episodes where we geek out and catch up. Uh, As the title might suggest. Yes. So. Not to get super into our topics right away, but mm-hmm. catching up wise. Yes. How have you been in both a nerd way and a non nerd way since our last catch up geek out? My life has been consumed by Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I feel that's been the case since we started the podcast. Yeah, I know, but even more so. I mean, like last weekend, I played for a total of maybe 11 hours over the course of the weekend. That's very impressive. I ran a one-shot. I was in my Saturday night game, and I ran a session of the game I DM. Well, it's it's impressive because pre-podcast, you... I don't think you'd done any Dungeons & Dragons since I'd known you. No. I you'd done it just I, before. I think I'd had, like, one session with the game I was running, and that was it at that point. And now I'm in two games, and I run a third, and we'll... If I see a one-shot going looking for people, I will jump on that. I'm going to be in one coming up, and I am going to be playing the most fucking extra goth (laughs) character ever. They are a drow warlock, so they can't do sunlight, and they're going to wear little glasses, little sunglasses. (laughs) They're going to look like they fucking walked off the set of Crimson Peak. Oh, wow. And it's using a new warlock patron that unearthed I can't, which is fucking the Raven Queen. So I am literally going to have this fucking goth dark elf with a raven on their shoulder. This feels wonderfully on brand. Thank you. I mean, I've played quite different characters. I was talking to you um, just before the podcast about how I have this... I'm so invested in this, uh, like, dwarf character. Uh-huh. Um, too invested to the point that I, I haven't... I don't want to put them in any game yet. <laughs> I want to, like, scout out the game, make sure they're worthy <laughs> of my... A of, solid... Of my, like, emotional investment I'm going to be doing. Um... So, I've not done anyone yet who's that on brand, mm-hmm. I say. I like to say that on brand. I don't know. I mean, apart from the fact that I have frequently ridiculous hair, I don't know whether having a goth, death-obsessed warlock is the most on brand <laughs> thing. I think if, you have a lot of brands. My on-brand character, if I was to play me in D&D, would be either a sorcerer or more likely a bard who is part of a travelling theatre troupe, who is Feyborn. That is Jade on brand in D&D. Unfortunately, that's probably more likely to be a game that you run. Tell won't me about be able it. to be in it. Don't. I know, it's fucking tragic. Though I do want to run a bard-only one-shot, which is them just trying to get paid music gigs. I would But they keep being adventures. But I think all the characters would multi-class. Mm. So you'd have, like, bard slash fighter. And, and it, I just think it could be really fun. So uh, I'll try to get you in on that one. Thank you very much. That's cool. Um, How about you? What? Oh, I said, and real life. Um, <laughs> eh, it's all right. <laughs> what about you? Welcome back from the land down under. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I went to Australia. Had a tooth extracted. I had a tooth extracted. Um, <laughs> you know how to have the best time on holiday. <laughs> oh, no. Everyone keeps saying, like, oh, is that all right? But, like, that was amazing. Like, 
who knew that going to the dentist could be like shh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm putting you on blast um yeah no I had a oh I don't know I had a sort of a strange tooth ex- uh, journey over mm-hmm. the last year yeah um and it did culminate in like a week of just intense pain before you go on holiday which is really frustrating so you yeah. can't like book anything um, but my husband knew a dentist <laughs> in Australia. I'm now registered to a, a dentist in Wollongong, uh, Victoria. Nice. Um, and but I will be going more. The dentist though was British and um, oh expat. Yeah, he was actually really sweet because he had like a TV on the ceiling and noise cancelling headphones. Um, and he said like, "Oh, is there something you want to watch or listen to?" And I said, I don't want to associate anything I love with this pain. So we put on Justin Bieber. And <laughs> I have a new appreciation for Justin Bieber in terms of... I didn't actually suggest it. I think that's just a go-to. That's something someone would hate. A guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I love a good callback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like even though it was very painful having that uh, worry out of my life, is a highlight, like oh, a good. genuine one of the I'm holiday. Glad. Um, in terms of other updates, yes. um, I want to talk about, I want to refer back to a previous Box Not Included topic. Oh, um, callback upon callback upon callback. I know, this is a very self-referential episode. We're very um, self-referential people. Yeah, the show's gone downhill, it's just referring to all <laughs> We've run out of original too content. Too um, but yes, I went to see Beauty and the Beast. Yes, I believe I saw your Twitter about it, which was, I went and saw Beauty and the Beast. End of tweet. <laughs> End of tweet. Um, hmm. In terms of a film, yeah, it, um, I think it's perfectly fine. Like, I saw people, I've seen, I have friends who yeah. both super loved it mm-hmm. and ones that super hated it. Yeah. And... I think both are kind of valid. To me, it felt like going to see a production of your favourite musical. Okay. But with a whole new cast, a different direction. Yeah, no. A few I... years later. So all the positive feelings I felt for the film were both mostly Beauty and the Beast feelings. Yeah. Which I'm sure that's why this film was made. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked some of the changes. I liked a lot of the performances. Cool. Um, but I wouldn't be able to argue any of the changes added to the film mm-hmm. um one thing i love about the disney film is it's just so i i do think it's like a masterpiece i think it's yeah. so tightly made but there was a reason it was nominated for best picture yeah it's now like, we have a best animated feature oscar well okay so to talk about i'm gonna i'm, I'm mentioning this because i'm gonna talk about my lafu opinions uh-huh uh but who knew you would have opinions <laughs> um Ignoring all the race issues surrounding Ghost in the Shell, um, I find it very interesting that, and I don't mean interesting in a good way. Yeah. um, Basically, I'm an animator in my day job, and I do feel there's just a general disrespect to animation, and I feel both Beauty and the Beast and Ghost in the Shell kind of sell the idea that nothing's definitive unless it's done with live action. Like, you would never... Well, that's dickish. One of it's true. Like, you would never see a studio say, we're going to make an animated remake of one of our live-action films mm. in that kind of same sense. Yeah. Um, I feel... Like, there's legitimacy to live-action that there perhaps isn't. Yeah. 
And the thing with animation is that every second counts. Mm-hmm. So the original Beauty and the Beast is so like snappy and like to the point and no second is wasted. Yeah. Um, whereas in this, it's just like, okay, here's, uh, you know, a 15 minute backstory to like Belle's mum okay. kind of stuff. And it's, so one of the things I do like compared to Disney's other live action remakes is yeah. this is more of a musical than the original. Oh, okay. Usually they kind of are, so the, the Jungle Book yeah. um, they recently did was like, there was kind of bare necessities and there was kind of want to be like you. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is this felt like a Broadway musical adapted to screen. Yeah, it added in more songs. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. I'm going to go grab Schrodinger. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the cat having a great time outside. Um, are we still on? Yeah, we're still on. Keep okay. Going. <laughs> the cat is in the studio, but very held very tightly. Yeah. Um, anyway. I know what you all are begging to know about, and that is LGBT-wise, how does Beauty and the Beast fare? Yeah. Um, tell me, Hamish, tell me everything. So one thing that surprised me, and I and I don't, I'm not coming at this in any kind of told-you-so way. Mm-hmm. I'm coming at this in, I think I uh, like it, I think I got the same feeling I expected to out of the film. Okay. There is not an exclusively gay moment. There are multiple uh, moments which show that LeFou is gay. Okay. And his the way they've altered his characters and his story wouldn't work if he wasn't. Yeah. So okay. what well, I originally cool. what my original theory about the film yeah. was that he would be his sexuality would be the elements that saves him and humanizes him. Okay. And that is the case. Okay, awesome. Um, I don't want to give spoilers away, but much... What, for Beauty and the Beast? (laughs) Yeah. It's also been out in the cinema for a long time, and I feel most people that are dying to see it might have seen it. But still. But um, LeFou um, is in love with Gaston. Okay. And then over the course of the film, realises that he shouldn't be. Um, there is a scene when someone tells him, you're much too good for him. Okay. Um, and he... Uh, there's... It's very clearly clear that Gaston is manipulating him for his own deeds. One of the things that made me slightly uncomfortable... Yeah. ...is that whenever there was any passing reference to this... The whole cinema laughed. Right. Um, I I found myself chuckling. I think Gaston and LeFou, performance-wise, are a highlight of the film. Yeah. And um, I think both of them do a really good job. And uh, they have a lot of new content, which I think is um, very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, but there, there is a sort of tone. And the, the weirdest thing is to me is that... Yes, at the at the end he is dancing with a man, which I think we did mention in a previous podcast. Um, but that is the quickest edit of a shot I have ever seen. Right. Like LeFou is dancing with a woman mm-hmm. and then it changes to him dancing with a man. You can tell that some kind of performance was like in his face is beginning. Yeah. And then cut. Don't yeah. want to see it too much. Yeah. And the man he's dancing with Stanley of Tom Dick and Stanley has another moment which 
I have seen both. I've seen friends and I've seen trans friends both love and hate. Okay. Um, at the towards the end of the film, when all the I keep calling them inanimate objects, but their defining trait is that they the are a- animated. Animals, yeah. But um, when everyone living objects. Yes, when everyone storms the castle and all the uh, object people attack them, the wardrobe attacks um, the three Tom. Tom Dick and Stanley. Tom Dick and Stanley. Uh, I only throwing... know that because it's the line in the song. You can <laughs> yeah, ask I know. any Tom, Dick or Stanley. Yeah, I know. I just keep forgetting. Um, the wardrobe attacks them with clothes. And Oh, yeah, because Aud- isn't Audrey McDonald the voice of the wardrobe? <laughs> I think so. Um, and I was prepared for a joke about men wearing dresses yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, Tom and Dick mm-hmm. get dressed up in clothes in, like, dresses and stuff yeah and go oh and run away yeah and stanley gets dressed up in clothes looks down with joy and then skips away with the wardrobe going go on be free (laughs) um and so that's like i felt very strange because like i'm is that good is that better i'm not the person to answer this you just laughed at it i think it's a pretty um out you go cat Uh, I think it's a pretty uh, personal thing. Yeah. I think some. I'd pe- like to prefer that was sort of a giggle of kind of delight. Yeah, it was like it set you up for a very old joke and then just ended in a slightly different way, which is refreshing. Yeah. Um, some people have said that they kind of wish um, Stanley was wearing a dress at the end when the food dances with Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't think Disney thought about any of this more uh, as no. much as we have been. But the film did have a. I I re- I return to my original feeling. Yeah. Of I prefer a gay villain, who ends the film as a one of the good guys. Yeah. To a queer coded, sort of villain to the end. No, I think that's cool. I don't know. That was my thought. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for the update. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yep. Um, yep. Yep. So, what's been going on in your nerdy life? Um, a few things. Uh, I will say, uh, a quick thing I want to mention. Um, I watched the Red Band trailer for Atomic Blonde. Okay. Uh, have you seen it? No, I've never heard of this. I will show you, I will show it to you after we've finished the episode. Um, but it's based on a... I want to say a novel or a graphic novel, and I did look this up and I forgot to write it down, uh, called The Coldest Winter, and it's set during the Cold War. But basically, it's basically a female James Bond movie in nice. that it is Charlie's Theron Oof. playing an English spy, kicking all kinds of ass, but in a way that is very, I don't want to say lady-shaped, but what I mean is she's very clearly, a, 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 she's not been desexualized though there are moments of it feels like a james bond trailer but more fun more ott and i'm immediately more invested because it's charlie's theron but also james mcavoy's in there and like john goodman's in there as like and it's just it's a really cracking cast and it just looks really exciting um and while it's a red band trailer and while it's sort of very sort of sexualized in the way that trailers are, because they're trying to hook you in, we see, um, 
I forget the characters, Charlize's character, um, making contact with the French agent, <laughs> who's played by, I think it's Sophia Batella, who was okay. in like Kingsman and in Star Trek Beyond. And they have a sex scene. Oh. And we also get a flashback to her having sex with a man. Oh. So we have a canon bisexual lady spy. That sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, from the trailer, this is obviously very sort of sexualized looking, but that also isn't any different from how you would see it in a, a James Bond movie sex scene. No. So I, 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 I hold judgment till I have seen it. However, the lizard part of my brain is also going, ladies, excuse me, <laughs> in a movie. Ah. But yeah, I got to say, it looks like a, it's a really cool trailer. They use Killer Queen in the in the trailer, which is always a really solid way to hook my interest. And mm. now there's a dog outside, like all the animals in the vicinity <laughs> apparently getting in on the podcast action today. But uh, yeah, no, it looks like a really int- fun film, really dynamic editing. And... Yeah, I'm excited for it. And I think seeing it, while I don't necessarily think that James Bond should be a woman, though I do certainly think that there are actresses, because there's certain things about the character of James Bond that I think are in more, much more interesting to have um, coming from a man, like his attitude towards women and how that's come through and uh, as, as an exploration of like sort of patriarchy and misogyny. I think there's more interesting things to be said. However, I am really sick of white guys playing James Bond, but that's a topic for another time or perhaps for people less white than me (laughs) to talk about. But I'm excited. It looks like a really cool female-led action movie where our lead, while white, is not straight. I, to sort of talk about that, I'm often slightly conflicted about... Let's get a woman to play blank. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with it in theory. Yeah. Um, I just want it to be done well. Yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm all of the opinion that women can play these roles. That's not what I say when I say I don't necessarily think a woman should play James Bond. Well, for example, um, I really want there to be a female doctor. And at yes. the same time, there's not many male heroes that are like the Doctor. And yeah. Doctor Who, I'm talking about. Um, James Bond gets mentioned a lot, and I think people don't remember, don't sort of remember what James Bond is, and that. Yeah. Um, I love the idea because there's very there's very few female characters like James Bond in yes. the assholes. Part like of that. why I'm excited for Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, in in general. Dream scenario. Uh-huh. There's just a lot more female characters who are more varied. Well, hell yes. Um, and that we get them to, like, last forever and start their own legacies, but... Yeah. I don't know. Oh, female-led movie franchise. Wouldn't that be fucking something? Well, yeah. It's dream, been attempted. The impossible dream. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, you no, know, I need to check that trailer out. Yeah, no, I'll show you I'll show you when we're done recording. <laughs> okay. Um I wanna talk about another film I saw. What film did you see, Hamish? I, I say not knowing uh, like I don't know what <laughs> Hamish is about to lose his shit over. Well, okay. Lay it out. For There's me. a lot to unpack. Lay it out, Hamish. I am ready. I embraced. I went to see the theatrical um the the motion picture, the film I'm not even gonna call it a movie. It's a <laughs> It's a film, um, Power Rangers. 
Um, and I need to unpack a little bit briefly about my history. That's okay. Um, this, is a, this is a safe space, Hamish. You unpack. I <laughs> I mentioned when talking about Kong Skull Island, which I did see and I was slightly disappointed by. Don't think it's bad. Don't think it's good. Just different choices I would have made. Mm-hmm. Um, that I grew up as a uh, kaiju fan, yeah. a proper kaiju groupie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved Godzilla mostly and uh, Gamera and other things like that. Um, Power Rangers was not something I was super into. Um, I recognised that there was big robots fighting monsters and cities, um, but there was something about the show, uh, the high school bits, that just did not connect with me in the same way. Yeah. Um, But I was familiar with it. um, But a few years ago, me and my friend Lydia decided to watch episode one of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on uh, Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. And... The uh, so Power Rangers um, was edited out of a Japanese show called Super Sentai, mm-hmm. and as a kid, I think you don't really notice, but it was very noticeable now. Um, I'm gonna say I'm fairly certain I did notice <laughs> as a kid, but there we go. Um, the yeah, and we could we were watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and seeing this really inventive, cool show intercut with really inane high school. All the Power Rangers are bullies, by the way. If you mm. watch the show, they're yeah. very athletic, popular, attractive people who repeatedly like throw the skinny and fat goth kids into like lockers and bins, and the whole school laughs at them. They're really nasty people. They're teenagers of attitude, is what they call them. Anyway, I we became super invested in Super Sentai because we wanted to check it out. I'm. It's my favorite show. It couldn't be more different. It's. It's a similar only in design. Mm-hmm. Like it has real character development and arcs and mythology and world building and everything you want. It's amazing. So going into Power Rangers, yeah. um, I had a slightly warped odd set of expectations. It no nostalgia element was okay. kind of with me. Um, I hated the design of everything to do with the new movie that I'd seen, like the costumes and the Robots are just so disgusting. Yeah. I still think this. Mm-hmm. But I was on board straight away okay. in the film, mostly because the one thing that Power Rangers might have over Super Sentai is, uh, to a Western audience, um, is relatable... The, the, the potential to have relatable characters. For example, in the original... Uh, show that Power Rangers came from the the Rangers are all like awakened ancient warriors from like hundreds of years ago. Okay. They're not me- necessarily meant to be relatable. Mm-hmm. They're kind of aspirational. Yeah. Um, but every single Power Ranger in the new film is a delightful person oh, and character. Um, the sh- the film is basically the Breakfast Club, but. At the end, they get in giant robot dinosaurs and fight Elizabeth Banks. Man, I need to see this movie. <laughs> um, it's it. So, someone at a party recently said, "Oh, is it any good?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I didn't know enough about the person to really recommend it." And I hate recommending films generally. Okay. Um, because I just find it tough. I feel like I have a very specific set of like things I like in films. Yeah. Um. There's not a whole lot of ranger action. The film is 
I think that was a big surprise. I expected a kind of Transformers style, just explosions and robots yeah. and CG. But 90% of the film is getting you invested in characters so that the 10% when their lives are in danger mean something. Well, that's refreshing. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to just quickly, I don't want to spoil anything, but I want to quickly just say some little things about the characters. Please. So Jason, who is the Red Ranger, who is the jock in the show, he's just this like bland jock hero, like you're the leader. He's like the white dude. They do some very interesting things with him. Go on. Um, even though, like, more so than in, like, the Avengers or other things, they really put a very specific weight on the idea of what a leader should do. Oh, right. Um, it's something he has to learn how to be. And you get a lot of evidence in how he talks to each person in his team individually. And the whole film is about they don't work unless they're a team. Um, a lot of found family feelings. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, then they don't really know each other at the start of the film, and they all like. Oh no! Um, I kind of want to say like one line that sort of hurt me a little bit, where someone just goes, "This is so cheesy. This is so trailer dialogue. This is so something we put line. on a." Tell me the line. Tell me the line. But it's like after all of this is over, will we be Power Rangers or will we be friends? Oh. And I was like, ah, "This is gonna kill Jade." Um, so he's a delightful. There's like. There's a moment when, like, a bully is, like, the bully character is, like, saying really mean things to someone else. Yeah. And the Red Ranger slaps him. And they go, like, did you slap me? And he went, yep. And, like, that's... I've, <laughs> I've never seen slapping being made cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's usually seen as, like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It, felt, it made me feel things. The... I'm going to leave him to last. Sorry. But, okay. I know, I know who um, anyway. So the Pink Ranger, uh, Kimberly, um, she's kind of interesting because even though she's set up to be high school girl, you know, cares about things being popular, um, they, they, most of them do meet in detention. And her reason for being in detention and her reason for being, like, a bad girl who did something wrong is really bad. All right. Like... Something that if I heard someone did, I'd be like, they're awful. Oh, right. But her, like, defining thing is that she did something very awful. She's not necessarily an awful person. Yeah. Let's try and atone for that. Okay. It's very interesting. Um, the yellow and the black rangers are the ones which are given less screen time. Okay. Um, I think through necessity. Mm-hmm. They do sort of just pop up when they need to yeah. and then they're in the rest of the film but the Yellow Ranger is a the director says gay mm-hmm. um, I do think you could read the film more of a sort of a queer questioning thing Okay, but it's done very nicely okay. I think it makes a lot of sense for the character she never says I am this Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for the character that she is trying to find the words for it cool. but it's very well performed and it's really well written like yeah it is just like a teen drama mm-hmm. with superhero bits in um but yeah she's she's very much like uh yeah there's a there's a very overt reference to her sexuality and it a, a bit like what i was saying with lefou in a very different way yeah 
an exclusively gay moment is a really silly concept because it puts all the representation weight on like that moment. What that moment when it's like you put something in like in there to give evidence or give like the representation, but then the representation is the rest of the film and the rest of the scenes are in. Yeah. Um, the just to quickly go through them, the Black Ranger is beautiful. <laughs> He's um uh a Chinese-American, and he has lots of scenes of his family completely in Chinese with subtitles. Oh, right. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently about films being, like, made for China, and I think he's, like, a big star in China. Okay. Um, but I just find that really interesting, like, they didn't edit those scenes out for the Western audience. Or have them least, in English. Yeah, it, set, it sells a lot about his character. And then I want to talk about the Blue Ranger, Billy! who is the standout star of the film. He... So I heard before the film came out that he is on the autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing you see him doing is like arranging his pencils, and I was like, okay, this is gonna like yeah. be a certain type of representation. But a couple scenes later, he says, "I'm on the spectrum. It means this, this, and this, and I'm really sorry if I don't always sort of respond in the way you expect when you're talking to me." The rest of the film is like. Holy shit balls. It's and he's like a hero, he doesn't get cured, it doesn't ever it's never a um liability, it never gets him in uh, it's used once as an as a sort of superhero power in that like he'd remember something everyone else hasn't or he's worked something out and no one okay. else has done. But like again it's not done in a kind of it's just done in a nice way. It like He's a act a uh, person of colour, yes, as well. Yes. Um he was in a film called I won't say because I don't know the name. Um, I always want to say uh, you, me, and Irene, but it's not. <laughs> it's got a title. It's called like me something yeah, okay. and whatever. Anyway, he's really good, um, and it's just like P- Power Rangers is not a perfect film. I still think design wise, it's ugly. It's pretty cheap. Um, it's got some other problems, but like if they want to do a bunch of sequels to this, right out of the gate, first film, they have a the second lead or like. The, mm. the, even the main character of I say main character Jason because he's the leader but screen time wise it's pretty shared um, you have a, like an autistic black superhero you have a um, I'm not, I don't know uh, she's not white I don't know uh, a, 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 woman a, a woman of color queer character and that's another thing Power Rangers has always done in that obviously in Sentai everyone's Japanese mm. and they, Power Rangers has always been like ridiculously diverse. Yeah, like going forward, even like it's still running. Yeah, but they um. Yeah, my niece is into watches. <laughs> was watching one the other day, and I was cackling with laughter. Yeah, like they. I think a part of the thing is that I haven't seen many people talking about the representation of having an autistic character or a queer character as being like shoving it in anyone's agendas because Power Rangers is always like defined by that. Yeah. A bit like Sesame Street. It has that kind of weird nineties yay diversity before it became such a weird political issue yeah. feeling. That's awesome. Um I don't know. I believe there is already talk of sequel because I think I remember seeing an article about how they definitely want a woman. Like as the Oh yeah. Um but uh, there is a yes, there's a there's a hint of the Green Ranger who is a big arc. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's a big arc in both I Power Rangers. I have my nineties TV credentials. <laughs> uh, it's a yeah, it's a big big arc in both Power Rangers and Super Sentai, um, but they don't hint what gender 
uh, this character to be. There is so much shipping potential as well in this film. If you like that, like the pink. Uh, and- I'm kind of into shipping. <laughs> the pink and yellow ranger have a full-on sex, like eye sex scene over a donut. It's the most intense thing. Um, there's a. It also wins product placement of the year oh, yeah. for Krispy Kremes. Beautiful. It's shocking. I I think Krispy Kremes might have like paid for eighty percent of this film. <laughs> um, it like, yeah. <laughs> so they, they talk about it a lot. <laughs> it's like a really significant aspect of the plot. As well. <laughs> but like, it feels right. Like, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like taking itself too seriously. Mm. Anyway, I talked about that for so long. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, no, I'm excited because I, I was thinking about going to see it, but the timings weren't lining up because mm. I saw how excited you had gotten on Twitter. Character-wise, excitement. Well, the thing is, I'm all about characters and yeah. found families. Um, but uh, and speaking of found families, this is where I... Sish. Wow, smooth. Thank you. I am so very smooth. I am as smooth as my hair is right now, <laughs> which is going to be lost on you listeners, but Hamish is looking at me so he can see it. Yes. Um, I have started listening to this podcast called The... Strange case of the Starship Iris. Mm-hmm. Strange, yeah. And um, the thing is, I'd actually was aware of it already because I had seen it on Tumblr uh, when they were auditioning for voice actors. And I thought about auditioning. And um, I think at the time I had a bad cold or something and it just wasn't working out. I didn't get organised. So I didn't. And I'm kind of annoyed about it because I started listening the other day and it's really fucking good. I mean... It's really fucking good. But on the plus side, because I'm not in it, I get to enjoy it mm. Enjoy it as a consumer of narrative, and it's great. Uh, the first episode starts with uh, this biologist, uh, Violet Liu, and the pod, the like, escape pod slash shuttle for the ship she was on, just got blown up, and she's alone on her ship, which is the, the starship Iris. And... She knows she's going to die because there's only so much stuff on. And then she gets a communication from another ship, from another captain. And I, do, I am not going to give any spoilers away aside from that first one. And that you get in the first five minutes mm-hmm. of the first episode. But it's really good writing, really strong character-driven stuff. And there's already sort of this great found family vibe coming into it already and Hamish is grinning at me because he knows this is my jam but they've also from a production side of things um, made a concentrated effort like Violet Liu was written to be I believe a Chinese American or Asian American so they very much wanted that kind, that actress and that's what they found and they have um, other actors of colour in there they have a alien as part of the crew that comes up and they purposely wanted a non-binary actor because while this alien race doesn't have non-binary genders they just don't understand human gender at all Mm. they wanted to kind of reflect that in the casting one of the characters is a trans man and i was just like oh when that happened and when that was when that happened when that was revealed and it was done in a very organic fashion and yeah i am Really annoyed that there's only four episodes already <laughs> because I want more of this story. But um, as as a consumer, it's the kind of thing that I want. It's sci-fi. It's found family. It's uh, mostly female. Well, no, we have three 
female characters, a male character and our alien character. And yeah, it's also very inspiring as a creator. Mm. Like, because I've not listened to many narrative podcasts. Um, I listen to The Black Tapes, um, a little bit of Night Vale, um, Alice Isn't Dead. But um, yeah, I find them harder to listen to. Oh, and The Adventure Zone, um, which is its own special bundle of wonderful. Uh, but yeah, no, I really recommend it. I'm already like super hooked into these characters and I'm really excited to see where they are going for. But it's all like independently made um, and you can find them on Tumblr and Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Just search for Starship Iris and I, I really recommend it. So you should check it out, Hamish. I was talking to someone about Power Rangers and this is related. I'm not just okay. taking the thing. Okay. And like I was saying how I really like the characters mm-hmm. and they said I, they said they didn't. Okay. And... I said, I really like the characters separate from this, but I really appreciated seeing like a well-written like person on the autism spectrum and things like that. And they said with such a like uh, tone of, well, I don't let that kind of stuff affect me because this was a, says that white dude. And they talked about the fact that representation doesn't matter to their story with such a like, in, like, well, I'm enlightened, so I'm not affected by that kind of stuff. What? And it's like... What a Miller. <laughs> I, yeah. Do I don't know if that oh, needs explanation. Do, I was going to say, do we need a jar for Interrobang references? Sorry. Um, yeah, I just, like, representation doesn't make something good, but it helps my investment. Yes. And same. I think that's still valid. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Star Trek Beyond. Yes. Um... When so you see Solo's husband briefly, yeah, and like towards the in the third act when everyone everyone where his husband is is in danger, I was so invested mm-hmm. because I was I just assumed they'd kill off Solo's husband as soon as he was shown, yeah. But like I didn't want him to die, and I've never like usually when you see big like city destruction, you're you like okay, care. fine, but like. I don't want them to kill off, like, the second ever gay character in Star Trek. For sure. Um, and that's why representation's important. And I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by listening to the show. I've never heard of it. And... Yeah, no, I do. I'd be more invested in these characters now if they... Oh, yeah, no. Also, to go out, uh, like, uh, canon queer characters as well. Mm. I mean, it just... It helps if I think people are like me or my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I mean, um, I, I was going to briefly talk about... I've talked quite a lot. I don't have much to say about this, really. But um, I've been watching series three of Netflix's Grace and Frankie. How's it going? I've been really enjoying it. That does a really interesting thing with representation, yeah. I feel. Um, it is a, a very white show and a very rich show. The show, all the characters are, like, insanely rich. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it because I feel like the show is about rich people rather than they're incidentally rich. Yeah. Um, but the basic concept of the show, and I watch it because I just find it really funny and um, very entertaining and very, like, a warm blanket of, like, nice characters. Yeah. But um, the basic concept of the show is about two um, women uh, in their 70s whose husbands leave them for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dealing with the fact that these two men have come out in their seventies and have found love, and that's a beautiful thing. 
and at the same time kind of ruined these women's lives. Yeah. And they've gone off on like a strange tangent about sex toys in series three, but it's it's wonderful. It's very fun and wonderful. But series one does some really interesting things. There's um in terms of and I've often talked about the show about how I want kinda like multifaceted uh queer characters who do bad things and yes. are bad people. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a wonderful bit in series one when the um children of who are like the reason to watch their amazing characters. Mm-hmm. Um the children of these uh people um have been invited over to dinner at the dads who are now together's house. Yeah. And they're all meant to be very pleased for them and happy that they found love and that they're out and open. Mm. And my favourite character, Brianna, played by June Diane Raphael, um, says in the kitchen like to one of her sisters, like, okay, no, let's stop. If our dads left our mums for women, we would not be having a nice sit-down meal with them as if they were wonderful bastions of, you know purity and that's a very interesting dilemma in that uh there's like with a certain you know certain nice people there's a kind of um implied constant support and positivity for anyone lgbt yeah um even though they did technically lie to their wives and trap them in marriages without love for a very long time and were cheating on them yeah. for ages. And the rest of the show goes into how um, their their relationships after this like are quite awkward and um, how it really has affected the women um, and, and the men. Mm. And it's actually kind of interesting because now we're at a point in series three when the only thing I don't really love about the show is the scenes with the gay couples. And it's like the one time, one one show ever where I'm like, ugh, kind of just wish we wouldn't have to deal with the gay characters for once. Because they're just like really in love and their their stakes are a bit lower. Yeah. And um, I do like them. They're really fun and good performances. But yeah. uh, it's just, I've gotten to love the other characters so much. No, that makes sense. Um, but it's a, it's a fun show and it's, I love a lot of Netflix shows, but this is the one I feel I watch, which is the most like, safe consistency like oh I can just watch some of this and I'll have a good time I won't have to like cry every five seconds it is quite emotional but like usually the Netflix shows I watch are sort of grim dark tragedies which are fun but a bit draining no that's fair Uh, I have to mention because of what day it is um, uh, time of recording uh, it's the 9th of April yesterday it was the 8th of April also known as Rex Manning Day. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know what Rex Manning Day is, uh, it's a gag, or it's a gag, it's a central plot point in a seminal 90s movie, Empire Records, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I have been for a long time. And it reminded me of it because one of the kids in Grace and Frankie, uh, one of Frankie and... I've forgotten his name. Saul? Saul. Uh, yeah. One of their... Sons is in Empire Records, looking very different. He's got like red ginger hair that's kind of curly, and he's a, a stoner. And if you haven't seen Empire Records, hey, oh, I'm, I should. I'm going to make you watch it. I'm going to lend you my coffee to go home with. But it's <laughs> um, it's got a fantastic soundtrack. Um, 
really fun characters. And uh, there's a young Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger, Robin Tunney, um, and like people whose actors' names are recognised, but you probably recognise them CSI and Without a Trace. And it's just like, it's a really, it's so 90s. Mm. But it also feels very timeless as okay. well. There's a, a quality to it. These characters are all very relatable. They're sort of teens getting ready to move on in their lives into like to college and... It's just a really fun, feel-good movie in a lot of ways, and it's very, very, very quotable. But if you say to people, it's Rex Manning Day, who have seen <laughs> Empire Records, it's it's a great thing, because um, I, I would have liked to have gone up to but the Prince Charles Cinema always do, a, a, I think, a screening on Rex Manning Day. Oh, nice. But, yeah. I mean, um, I, think the film, I think the thing that really dates a film is, like, outdated viewpoints or opinions yeah. I think it's okay for a film to be super 90s and yeah. remain timeless yeah there's thankfully there's not a lot of moralising in it or anything like that it's just sort of a slice of life mm. movie yeah but no it's really good fun and it uh, always puts a smile on my face one of the things that I think most people do like about Grace and Frankie is yeah. that the two leads of Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin mm. have like a really long history of friendship outside the show yeah um they have a that's a good example of a show where you have a very strong intense female friendship but I don't think necessarily anyone ships it yeah. maybe because of their age but um which is unfortunate but like mm. it does a really good job of making their friendship very clear yeah um I only, only mentioned this cuz I laughed a lot at um the premiere of series 3 Lily Tomlin was holding a um purse made up of photos of Jane Fonda's, like, mugshot when she was arrested when she was younger. <laughs> and, like, them trolling each other is just a wonderful little thing. Um, oh, one thing I've got to talk about. Yes, please do. Uh, is this web series called Movies with Mikey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I got... I followed a link from an episode of Carboys, which is a series uh, from the Polygon... Uh, with uh, Griffin McElroy and Nick Robinson. So I don't know how I wound up watching that. (laughs) Um, But he guest edited uh, an episode uh, of Cowboys. But he does movie analysis. But Mm -hmm. every film that he does in this series, he tries to offer a unique perspective on the film that perhaps hasn't been addressed before. That's sort of his niche thing is taking a point of view or an aspect of the film that maybe hasn't been addressed by other analyses 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 but also his style of editing is really interesting and fun and vibrant and he himself has got a great personality there's lots of sort of metatextual humor of him riffing on himself and he's so very insightful and i'm finding the way he talks about film and the way he looks at film has really sort of and i would say made me readdress how i look at films but, um, but I did do some film studies when I was younger and I very much enjoyed that aspect. I don't... Sometimes you want to passively watch a thing and that's yeah. great. Sometimes you want to switch your brain off and not necessarily engage higher brain function. <laughs> I get it. But I like to analyse. Analyse? Fucking hell. <laughs> Analyse. Jesus. Oh, uh, but I like to to think about things and talk about things. Hell, you and I have a podcast where we talk about shit that we like, yes. like and analyze. Exactly, that's kind of and what analyze. I like to do. But um, he's he also covers a really he he gets people to vote on what they want to see. Um, but 
I really, really recommend um, if you're a film study student or even if you're just interested in film, it's really great. His Dark Knight one was particularly interesting with a really cool take, but he also does older things. He, uh, there's a great one on Serenity, which um, I'm sure people listening to it, like myself, are fans of Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, do do check him out. He's had a bit of a lull because he's uh, the, the creator. I think it's Mikey Newman. Uh, is his his full name has been in hospital because he has MS. So, but he's just such an interest, such a fun creator, doing something I I don't see or he's doing it in a different way. But his videos are really interesting and engaging. And yeah, you laugh, but you also I've cried at a few of his videos. Like he's just very insightful, very in tune, and yeah, I I really recommend checking out his stuff. There's a lot of film uh, reviewers and critiques on mm. YouTube and podcasts and things right now, so it's good to have a recommendation of something that's mm. actually good because you can't always tell. Yeah, going in. It, it's a popular thing to talk about. So, mm. it, as I said, have uh, this very unique, visually looking take on things, and also hearing a viewpoint or purposely taking things that you have like i watched his interstellar video i haven't seen interstellar yet and i really that's a sign of a good reviewer (laughs) yeah i i I watched all of i watched all of them Mm. i I binged over a weekend but um no do do check it out uh guys it's it's fantastic so well um did we want to do a a little little plugs we're gonna do self-promotion yeah so as well as uh, consuming things, um, we have been somewhat creating things. I think that's more true of you than it is of me. Well, I think we've been we've been putting some stuff out there. Okay. Um, I want to do a brief plug. Um, I have a graphic novel out. Um, it's called Pantheon: The True Story of the Egyptian Deities. Um, it's best to search for Pantheon Hamish Steele. Um, but it's available now on Amazon UK. Comes out. Uh, in August for the US though um, and you can get it directly from No Brow. you can get it from a lot of comic book or bookshops or ask for it to be stocked there and the reason I'm talking about it is that on the 21st of April on a Friday at 7pm <laughs> um, I'm doing there's going to be a book launch for it at Gush Comics in London and I'm very paranoid about like uh, people turning up and if people are buying it it's okay but like I would love to do another book with this publisher and mm-hmm. so I just want everything to be super successful um, The uh, something I do actually want to briefly mention about Pantheon is that it does have some potentially triggering, triggering content mm-hmm. and if people want to ask there is actually a warning on the back but um, it sounds a bit like a joke for some reason it is a bit jokey, but it is an actual warning. It does have some warnings. Um, but if people want to like know what the content is, then they can DM me on Twitter, which I'll say my deets at the end, mm-hmm. um, or contact us somehow, somehow. But it's also really funny, and I hope people like yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I haven't... Because um, I read the... I say I've got a copy of the original Pantheon, where it's in black and white. Yes. Whereas this new deluxe Pantheon <laughs> is in colour with extra bits in it, so it means I'm going to have to buy another coffee. In total, this has been the fourth version of this book but no i i i intend to buy it because i want to see it in all all its colorful glory thank you very much it's it's educational and historical but silly and someone uh i've had a couple of reviews oh yeah and one review said that it was like if um 
The Simpsons took a trip down the Nile to South Park. Which uh, no, I, I, get, I kind I get of it. get. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I think in I think of it more like I think The Simpsons is a good note. Um, I don't know. It's educational but rude. Yeah, it's like an adult horrible histories. Yeah, that that would be the vibe I was going for. Yeah. would be like adult horrible histories. Yeah, um, and I hope to do another one. So that's my little plug. And cool. come to the launch party. I'll maybe put some details somewhere. Yeah, we could. We'll, we'll put it on 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 the Tumblr and the Facebook. We'll put it in the usual places. Yes. Yes. So, um, what I want to plug, um, I mentioned earlier uh, at the top of the episode about a Saturday night game I'm in, and that is streamed on Twitch. Uh, they, The people that run the game asked on Twitter they were looking for people, and it's run by a, a group called The Voiceover Nexus, who do, um, I think they do, they, they do like voices, they like do live video, live videos, uh, videos where they like voice homestuck comics that's one of the things they're they're known for and they they do voiceover for it mm-hmm. and that's that's their whole spiel but um i i've yet to watching because i'm not an under um i'm not a um what did i just say homestuck said- fan but they no, they're about to do i think they're either doing or about to start doing undertow let's yes. play to tell yeah so but um yeah we are three sessions in to the princes of the apocalypse uh D campaign and it's really fun, and we stream from, uh, if you're on GMT, well, British summertime now, but UK time, it's 10pm till midnight, and you can find uh, that, it's a voiceover nexus on Twitch, which is tends to be how I just search for it, but they're also at the VO nexus on Twitter, and you can find them on Tumblr at the voiceover nexus as well. They're a really fun bunch of people, I'm really enjoying playing with them, mm. and it's a really ridiculous game in our, in our last session, I play a gunsmith artificer, rock gnome. And after getting a box of rocks dropped on my head by zombies and killing half of my hit points, I also managed to crit on my attack and I literally red-misted the head of a zombie and it was very, very, very satisfying. <laughs> but it, it's a really fun group and it'd be cool to have people come along and uh, and watch the stream if you're up and about at that sort of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's, I guess, my little uh, my little plug for the episode. My little plug. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um. right. As always, I've got to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, and Master of the Sound Waves. He does our theme music, he helps produce the podcast. We are forever indebted to him for working for free. Um, you can check out his work at grahamwaller.com and he's got his own podcast, The Mix Cave. Uh, go along and check his stuff out. I'm sh- tell him we sent you. Um. Yes, and also thank you for listening. Yes. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice as it helps us out a bunch. Um, and we are always accepting questions and submissions for our No Box Vox Pop episodes. Um, send us anything queer and or nerdy or very random that you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, no, we're not ashamed. We, we, have, no, we have no pride. Uh, send us a really random question, and I'm sure we'll try and answer Our it. Vox Pops, tonally, are quite a roller coaster. A little so. bit, yeah. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, either to uh, send us a question for No Box Vox Pop, or if you just want to tell us how we're doing, what you think we could be doing better, mm-hmm. if you're interested in being involved at all as a guest, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, you can do so. We are Box Not Included on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Twitter, and at Gmail. And we even have individual Twitters. We really want you to talk to us. <laughs> yes, I'm at Hamer Steel. And I'm at JDocsForDrows. Um, but until next time, you just heard my name, and it's still my name. I am Jade Rose. <laughs> and I'm Hamer Steel. And don't let anybody box you in. Box Not Included.